Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. And I have to say that when we booked Andy Davis a while back, I've been thinking about this every day for the last several weeks because I am fascinated with Andy and I love the topic. We're going to talk about Galatians today. And when I go over Andy's resume, I go, all right, here is a really interesting guy. And I'm excited that you get the chance to hear him again on the program. We've had him on in the past. He got his uh, bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering at MIT. I guess that's a pretty easy school to get into from what I've heard. But then he went on and got other degrees. He got a master in divinity at Gordon-Conwell and a PhD in church history at Southern Seminary. And he has memorized numerous whole books of the Bible, which I think is not only wonderful, but it just gave him a chance uh, to better understand the depths and the riches and the fullness of the Word of God which makes him, in his uh, opinion, a better teacher, and I couldn't agree more. For 22 years, he's been the senior pastor at First Baptist Church of Durham, North Carolina, and he's preached over a 1,000 expository sermons, which is my favorite kind of teaching. And he's made these sermons and Bible studies and other gospel-centered resources available to you at Two Journeys' website. Um, I'll talk about more about this as the show goes on. But you can uh, take in... All kinds of incredible teaching there. But today, Dr. Andy Davis is joining me to talk about Galatians. Andy, welcome back. Bill, it's great to be with you. I'm looking forward to the discussion. You know, I love Galatians, and I love sort of the attitude that Paul shows up with right in the beginning. Mm. Yeah, he is ready to go. I mean, as soon as he has his initial (laughs) greeting, he rolls up his sleeves and digs in. Yeah, and they were uh, questioning uh, his teaching, and, and he didn't uh, hold back anything in the first three verses. No, he usually begins his epistles with some kind of warm greeting, something he loves about what God's doing in the lives of the Corinthians and the Ephesians. He doesn't do that here. He's just saying, I am astonished that so quickly you've turned away from the true gospel to something that's no gospel at all. And so the real issue here right away is what is the gospel? And that's what the book of Galatians is about. So he made about three journeys to Galatia, and they received the the message quite warmly um, Mm -hmm. until some agitator showed up and started challenging his leadership. And it uh, seemed to be threatening his message. So I'm so glad Mm -hmm. that he opened uh, Galatians the way he did. Yeah, he did. He's so he gives us a sense of the zeal we should all have for the true gospel, because he says, look, a man-made gospel is no gospel at all, and it doesn't save souls. And that's why he's so eager to remind them again what the true gospel is. Yeah, these individuals, these false teachers are generally known as Judaizers. And uh, we get the clearest uh, understanding of who they were from the book of Acts, actually, Acts 15. Uh, the council at Jerusalem convened in part to address what these people were saying in Acts 15:1, it says they were teaching, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. You're going mm, to wow. hell if you're not wow. circumcised. And then a few verses later, they expand 
They say the Gentiles must be circumcised and, listen, required to obey the law of Moses. So circumcision was a gateway into a whole life of legalistic observance to the law of Moses, and that's what they had to meet to address in in, in uh, Acts 15, and then Paul writes about in Galatians. So this new worldwide family you'd be becoming a part of that was promised to Abraham was created mm. by the Messiah Jesus, and it's not by keeping mm. Jewish law. No, it isn't, and Peter calls it there in Acts 15, a yoke that we, neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear. Uh, Jesus said that the scribes and Pharisees tied up heavy loads and put them on people's shoulders, but they didn't lift a finger to move them. That crushing weight of trying to earn your own salvation by pious works of the law and the fact that you had to keep the whole law every day of your life or you'll be condemned. It's just overwhelming and crushing, and that's what these Judaizers were teaching. Mm-hmm. Dr. Andy, um, D- uh, Davis is my my guest and I am so glad that we're going to be spending time uh, talking about Galatians today. And yeah. I love jumping into as early as verse uh, six. He comes, uh, he, he comes back at it with, uh, you have so quickly deserted the one who called you to live in the grace, and you're turning to a different gospel. I love that he talks about if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Yeah. Yeah. Very serious. Very serious. And I agree with you. That's a good place to start. He looks at that and he says, look, I don't care who it is, whether it's us, an angel, anybody preaches a gospel other than the one we first preached to you. Yeah. Let them be under God's curse or even eternally condemned. There are different translations of that. It's, It's that serious. Because fundamentally, the question that's in front of us here, and there's none more important than any human being could face, the question the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas in Acts 16, what must I do to be saved? How can I, a sinner, be made right in the sight of a holy God? How can I stand before him on judgment day when he who has these holy eyes looking at me, he knows everything about me, how can, how can a sinner like me be made right? And the, and the beautiful good news of the gospel it is by repentance and faith in the blood of Jesus shed on the cross alone, by justification through faith in Christ alone. And that is the theme of the entire book of Galatians, Galatians 2.16. Paul says, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. That is forgiven or made right uh, in the sight of God. And so by simple faith in Christ, when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, and he finished saying, it is finished. Uh, the Judaizers are saying, yeah, not really. Uh, you have to add <laughs> your own works to what Jesus did. And Paul, boy, that got Paul angry, I think. He was simply angry. Andy, can I just applaud the jailer who asked mm-hmm. the great question, what yeah. must I do <laughs> to be saved? Yeah, I think there was what we call an evangelical moment there. Absolutely. It's one of the great moments, really, in church history. Paul and Silas had been beaten publicly. They were in a Philippian jail, and their feet were in stocks, and they're, they're, they're uh, in agony. And they start praising God and singing worship songs at midnight. And, and then there's this earthquake, and the chains fall off, and the doors fly open, but no one escapes. And the Philippian jailer brings them out and asks that question, what must they do to be saved? And they, they answer very simply, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then it says... Uh, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his household. 
right there and then. The question is, what is that word? What is the gospel? That's what Galatians is all about. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in my studies in church history, Martin Luther, one of the you know the great leaders in church history, the great reformer uh, of the 16th century, he was trying to earn his own salvation through works of a monk, medieval monk, by by fasting, by praying, by religious observances, and by work, uh, constantly battling his guilty conscience. Um, But finally, he came into the true freedom of the gospel, primarily through the book of Romans, but also through the work of Galatians. And he loved this little epistle so much, he called it my Katie Von Bora. That was his wife's name. He had like a love relationship with this little epistle because it's so clearly addressed where he had come from, that legalistic bondage and how the gospel set him free. Mm -hmm. And if I could just go back to Philippians uh, chapter 1 and in verse 12, when uh, Paul talks about, you know, what has happened to him is Mm -hmm. really advancing the gospel. So, you know, we look at those difficult circumstances he was in, but he had greater purpose in it. He did. And it's interesting how in Philippians, he said he wasn't too upset about people who were preaching the true gospel just to make trouble for him while he was in prison. It didn't bother him. He said, what does it matter? People are being saved. But he's very different here in Galatians. He's not okay with the gospel they're preaching because it wasn't the gospel. It wasn't going to save anyone. And so that's why he addresses these folks so much more different, differently than the issue in Philippians. Mm-hmm. So, Andy, I want to make the most of our time together. Yeah. And I know uh, your teaching on Galatians is rich, and I'm and I, I yeah. going to trust you the direction you will take us yeah. with the teaching. Um, so I'm excited to, uh, and I also want to open it up to anybody who's got a question on Galatians. I bet you'd be more than happy to answer it. I'm guessing. Oh, I would love that. Oh, I would love that. Absolutely. Yeah, I I figure. And right before we go to break, I know that you have studied whole books of the Bible. Uh, Give us a sample of a couple you've memorized. Well, I'm actually working on my 45th book now. As a matter of fact, I'm in, I'm, I'm in, I'm in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 14, 1 through 14 is what I'm reviewing every day. And it's a hard book, but I'm learning so many things from it. And, and I'm getting older. I'm almost 60 now. I don't memorize as well as I used to. My mind isn't what it used to be, but I'm, I'm committed to the discipline. And, and really what I get out of it is the, are the insights that come from um, meditation on Scripture. So that's what I love to do. So you've memorized 45 books. Yeah, I can't recite them. I, I let them go. When I'm done reviewing them for 100 days, when I'm done with the section, I, I let it go. I can't, my mind can't hold on to that, all of that. But the right. contents, the contents in, in, in my mind uh, down below, yes. it's, it's there. And then yeah. God uses it to help me write sermons. Yeah, it's a thorough marinating of the word in your mind. And then God reveals things through this memorization. And you can probably uh, find stuff quickly, can't you? Pretty quickly, and there's some things that the phrases do stay with me, that but not everything. But I don't claim that, and that's never. It's not like some party oh, trick or something you do. Oh, I know. Uh, but it's just something that you do in your mind so that you can have a deeper understanding. And, and Galatians was one of that one of those books a number of years ago. Yeah, and clearly uh, you can say that from memorization, you mm-hmm. do get to know God's word in a way you never could any other way. Yeah, yeah. With the pattern I I use, I go over the whole book. For 100 consecutive days. And so what that does is it gives you a picture of the whole argument, the, the logical argument that Paul is making, but also the details, every verse uh, set in its context, but it just comes alive. And so yeah, that's what makes what we're trying to do, Bill, here so challenging. We have a brief amount of time. And how do you get through all the content in these 
649 verses, such a rich, I, I preached 26 sermons on Galatians. So, you know, I guess the best we can do is just get the, the marrow of it, the, the center of it, but it's such a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. You can even sign up for a Galatians Summer Bible Study, uh, mm-hmm. is that fair to say, at twojourneys.org? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and I did a brief summary of each of the sermons, and then you can you can download it, so I hope it would be a blessing to people. Yeah, so twojourneys.org, you can learn more about uh, uh, Pastor Andy Davis. We're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to make sure your Bible's open and a notebook ready and a, a pencil in hand, and we're going to do some study on the book of Galatians. Be right back. We would love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today. I'm back with Pastor Andy Davis. We're talking about Galatians today. You can learn more about Andy at twojourneys.org. As a matter of fact, you can sign up for a summer Bible study on the book of Galatians. And Andy, it's uh, I so appreciate you coming on. I know you probably have had a long day, and here you are uh, spending an hour with me and my listeners. So I just want to thank you for your willingness to, to be there. I was thinking during the break that you've you know read and memorized 45 books of Scripture do you still enjoy an occasional baseball game on TV or or of course. go to a movie? Have you seen Top Gun? <laughs> I actually did. I went and saw it with my son, and we had a great time. It was, uh, it was quite a thing. And, and to think after all these decades later, Tom Cruise making the, the, the sequel. So I think that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. So give us a, a, maybe an a, yeah. a outline as to if we yeah. uh, started following your sermon teaching on Galatians, sure. what, what would happen? Right. So in Galatians 1, uh, as we said, he immediately digs in on the danger that these Judaizers are. This this combination of Jesus plus works is deadly. It's absolutely deadly. And and so he's got to fight it, and he does fight it with urgency and with emotion. And then uh, there in Galatians 1, 11 through 17, he says, I want you to know fundamentally this gospel that I preach is not something that man made up. I didn't I didn't learn it from anyone. I didn't. I got it straight from heaven. Uh, and uh, we know this, the famous story of Paul's conversion, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, and, and how he was adamantly opposed to the gospel and determined to fight it, but how the Lord revealed himself in glory on the road to Damascus, and how subsequently um, Paul learned the details of the gospel of justification by faith alone apart from works. And he said, this is not a man-made gospel. Now, the gospel of works is the man-made gospel. There are a lot of versions of it all over the world. Islam is a gospel of works, so to speak. Hinduism, Buddhism, all the other religions are basically works religions. Christianity is a grace and faith religion that's not based on works, though it does produce good works, and Galatians will, will talk about that. So fundamentally, Galatians is about how sinners are forgiven in the sight of God, justified by faith alone apart from works. But then what kind of life comes from that? And that is the life of the Spirit, the life characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, a life characterized by keeping in step with the Spirit and living out the law of God 
uh, out of a delight, not trying to earn forgiveness, but just because that's the life the Spirit's working in you. That's genuine Christianity, and that's what Galatians is is all about. So he says, look, I didn't I didn't learn this gospel from anyone. I wasn't taught it. I wasn't taught it even by the apostles. Um, I went out to uh, Arabia and meditated, and, and the Lord taught this thing directly, revealed it to my heart. But when I went to Jerusalem and I was greeted by uh, the apostles, Peter and the others, they, they offered me the right hand of fellowship. They welcomed me, and they acknowledged that I was preaching the same gospel they were. So the same gospel had been revealed to them. But it's still a heaven-sent gospel. It's a gospel of forgiveness sent by by God to the human race. And so that's the gospel that Paul preached. And he said, look, we cannot preach any other gospel because all the other gospels are false gospels. So he, he deals with that, and he, and he says, look, I didn't, I didn't learn this. I wasn't taught it by anyone. I was taught it directly by God. Um, as a matter of fact, I even had to rebuke Peter and correct him, this great pillar of the church, when he had been drawn in by these Judaizers and he'd been sucked in, and he withdrew from table fellowship with Gentile converts, though he had eaten with Cornelius uh, in Acts 10 when he had led him to Christ and he had, he had defended the true gospel, uh, he was still weak and susceptible to this, and he had to confront him, Paul said, to his face. So here are these two great early leaders of the church, and Paul was confronting Peter, and he had to do it publicly. And uh, Peter acknowledged that he was he had been wrong, and he and that he repented. So that's how zealous Paul was for this true gospel. Andy, is this a tough sell to the listeners? Uh, because this is the guy that used to murder Christians, and now you're yeah. basically saying, "I got this revelation from heaven." Now you really have to listen to me. Absolutely, but that's the nature of our entire religion. All the sixty-six books of the Bible come to us directly by revelation from God. We believe in prophecy. We believe in in prophets uh, in the Old Testament who wrote and, and apostles. And so that's what we believe. All of the truth of Scripture comes to us from God. All Scripture is God-breathed. And so there's nothing unusual about that. Paul's just saying that this is the consummation of the message of, of revelation, is how sinners are made right with God. And so, as I said, Galatians 2.16 is the thesis of the whole book. You know, that sinners are justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But then he says so beautifully, probably the most famous verse in Galatians, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me in the life. I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I love that verse. I preached a whole sermon on that one verse. As a matter of fact, Bill, that was one of the very first verses I ever memorized after I was converted mm. my junior year at MIT was through the topical memory system of the navigators. And Second Corinthians 5.17 was the first, and Galatians 2.20, the second verse we learned in that package. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so beautiful because here's the Apostle Paul uh, saying uh, the, the effect of the gospel on him. Uh, there was this mystical, spiritual union of every genuine believer in Christ with Christ in his death, and in his resurrection. We are one spiritually with Christ. We ourselves have been crucified with Christ through faith. And, and we don't live anymore. We're, we live a new life now. Um, we've been raised with Christ into this new life. And then this new life that I'm living, I live by faith in the Son of God. Um, who, and then this is so powerful. Who loved me and gave himself for me. It's amazing that Paul said me and not us. It is true that Christ loved us and gave himself for us, but this is very personal. 
He loved me, and he gave himself for me. And I think every Christian should say that to him or herself day after day. Jesus loved me. Jesus died for me. Jesus is living in me. And, and yes, we are part of a body of Christ. We're part of a vast um, you know, body all over the world. And, and I know we are very individualistic as Americans, but still the truth of that verse stands. And then powerfully, the next verse, he said, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained by the law, then Christ died for nothing. That is so powerful. Christ was incarnate by the Virgin Mary for nothing. Christ lived a sinless life for nothing. Christ did all those miracles for nothing. Christ did all that incredible teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, for nothing. Christ went to Gethsemane and, and sweat great drops of blood for nothing. He went to the cross for nothing. He rose from the dead for nothing. We didn't need it because all that God would do is point to the law and say, keep this and you'll live. He said, if we could have done that, then Christ never needed to come, but we couldn't. We couldn't save ourselves. So that's that's how important this is, Galatians 2.21. Yeah. Uh, Andy, I'm not ready to leave uh, Galatians 2.20 yet, up just because mm-hmm. it's a verse I've yeah. memorized as well. And you've yeah. just pointed out the nuance that, that Paul says that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me mm-hmm. and who loved me and gave himself for me. Because then as mm-hmm. believers, we go and make that verse personal and memorize it. Every time yeah. we're reciting those words, they're yeah. even more internalized. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's so powerful. And, and I really think we need to understand that. I think about the woman that had the bleeding problem for 12 years and she comes up behind Jesus in the crowd and she just wants to touch the hem of his garment and get out of there. She, she didn't want any interaction. She didn't want anyone to know, but Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And, and she realized that she couldn't just get away. And why that interaction, who touched me? It's because he wanted that interaction with her. He wanted to be able to look her in the face. He wanted to be able to reassure her. And to say, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And that meant everything. That's better than the healing for this woman. That she has now a relationship with the Son of God. Um, and that's what God, that's what Jesus wants with each one of us. He wants that intimate, personal relationship. And maybe Galatians 2.20 says it better than any other verse in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get off topic here, Andy, but I could get awfully excited talking about that mm-hmm. passage with the woman who touches Jesus's garment, all the while Jairus' daughter is dying of a fever. Yeah, and he's urgent um, that yes. he move on. Come on, let's go. But yeah. you know, he just we like call that medical malpractice today. Exactly, but he underestimated what Jesus could do. And as soon as the <laughs> word came through, "Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead." Jesus immediately says to Jairus, "Don't be afraid. Just believe." And yeah. so that's that faith. Um, but, you know, that's what Paul's talking about. We're justified by faith. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. You know, Galatians 3.1, he says, you know, foolish Galatians, you know, you thought you begin by faith. Are you now trying to finish by the flesh? I mean, how could that mm-hmm. be? The very same way we finish our Christian life is how we begin, and that is by faith in Jesus. So, yeah, faith is everything. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back lots more with Dr. Andy Davis. You can go to twojourneys.org, twojourneys.org, learn more about Andy, and also signed up if you want for this summer Bible study on Galatians. We'll be right back.
If you just join me, my guest today is Dr. Andy Davis. He's uh, been the senior pastor at First Baptist Church of Durham, North Carolina for 22 years, and he's preached over a thousand expository sermons, and he made these sermons available at Two Journeys website. It's twojourneys.org. You can learn more about that, but we're, today we're discussing Galatians, and uh, I'm, I'm loving this discussion. Mm. And Andy, let's, uh, I, before we leave, uh, head towards chapter three, I would love to just mm. hang in uh, Galatians 2.20, and I, yeah. I, I know you've preached a whole sermon on that. Was there yeah. anything that surprised you uh, and that you added to your repertoire of knowledge, uh, preaching a whole sermon on 220. Well, it was just a powerful uh, time. And my son, who's um, uh, my oldest son, we have five kids, and um, he was doing college ministry with our church at the time. And he saw, you know, the trajectory, and I'd done, you know, a section, Galatians 2, 16 through 21, did the whole section. He said, Dad, are you are you going to just go, go on now, or are you going to do something on Galatians 2.20? I mean, it's such a great verse. <laughs> And, you know, I hadn't thought about it either way, but, you know, with his exhortation, I was like, yeah, I mean, I think I, I should. And so, yeah, I think whenever you take a rich verse like that, not all verses are that way. Some verses, are, you know, they don't have that level of richness. But the, uh, the Apostle Paul and his, his epistles, it's just dense with truth. And some verses are more packed than others, and that's definitely one of them. So, yeah, just the meditation on it was so rich and powerful. But again, a lot of times in the Christian life, it's not brand new insights. It's taking things you've known, and they just hit you at a deeper level than ever before. And it just I, I realized that there was so much more in the Christian life I needed to understand, living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave mm. himself for me. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot by zeroing in on that one verse. Yeah, I would love to talk about ways in which we can make this verse just practical to people listening today. Yeah. Because it's really fun to say, to say this verse. I've been crucified yeah. with Christ, and I no yeah. longer live. But is that true? I, I'm still making yeah. some selfish decisions all the time, like every day. Well, I think we need to understand the uh, the principal position, that we are positionally, spiritually dead uh, to the law. We're dead to our old self, dead to sin, um, live forever in in Christ. But the fact of the matter is, uh, and Galatians makes this plain more than any book of the Bible. Uh, in Galatians 5, there is a battle. The flesh wages war against the spirit, and the spirit wages war against the flesh. They're at enmity against each other, they're battling. So, yeah, it seems very much like it's not true that we died to sin and we died to the law and all that with Christ, but it is true. Whether we feel like it or not, it actually is true. We have been made new creations. And so, therefore, I actually think that unglorified Christians, that's you and me, we're not in heaven yet. We don't have our resurrection bodies, so we're unglorified, but we're, but we're Christians. We're the, the weirdest thing in the universe. We're the most conflicted. <laughs> we are conf deeply conflicted. Non-Christians aren't. They just sin. Um, demons aren't conflicted. Angels aren't conflicted. The redeemed in heaven aren't deeply confl conflicted. God isn't deeply conflicted, but we are. And so we battle, it's true. But we need to believe the truth. When we trusted in Christ, 
We were united with Jesus in his death, and we are dead to sin. Romans 6 makes this plain. We are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We just have to think of ourselves that way. So when temptations come, we should say, I'm dead to that. I'm alive to a new way of living now, and that that new way of life is the life of the Spirit. Yeah, I think I heard before you come to faith, you only have one enemy, and that's God. But then when you come to faith, you have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, And they constantly wage war against us. You know, the... I came to Christ in 1982, so I'm coming up in October to uh, my 40th anniversary of being a Christian, and and I think it's just a testimony to the grace of God in my life that after 40 years of daily, even hourly, assault by the world of flesh and the devil, I still love Jesus. I still want to follow him. I still believe in him. Um, That's only possible by the sustaining grace of God. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, Galatians 2.20, I think that's that it's meditate on it, tell yourself the truth of it. Romans 6 expands on the fact that we're dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's more commentary on it, uh, and it'll help us to uh, to mortify the deeds of the flesh and 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 live that new life that God wants us to live. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump into chapter 3, where he comes yeah. out swinging once again, you foolish yeah. Galatians. Who has bewitched you? <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing statement. You foolish <laughs> Galatians. It's like how to win friends and influence people. It's that that shock value. Um, And and the word bewitched is really interesting, like hypnotized. There's, there's almost, there's almost a satanic or demonic allure here. They, it's, it's like they're zombies in some kind of a weird cult walking around with this vacant look on their face. What's wrong with you people? What's happened to you? (laughs) And so, yeah, that's what he's saying. You know, uh, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, that's a very interesting statement, but I think he just means through the vivid, spirit-anointed preaching of the gospel, how he resolved in, in Corinthians to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so he preached the facts of the crucifixion, the blood of the crucifixion, the actual death, the statements Jesus made, um, and then uh, the truth, the atoning work of God there. He preached that so so clearly, vividly, and the, the, the eyes of their heart, their faith could see Christ crucified, and they believed in him. You know, before your very eyes, Christ was portrayed as crucified. How could you turn your back on that? How could you say that's not enough? How could you say Christ shedding his blood didn't get the whole job done? That when he said it is finished, it wasn't finished. How could you do that? So he, he wants to remind them of the gospel. And then he says, look at your own experience. I want to know something. Did you receive the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, by observing the law or by believing the message? So you think again about Cornelius, Acts 10. Peter goes, preaches the gospel, and while he's preaching, the Spirit is poured out on them as in the day of Pentecost. And there was clear evidence of the outpouring of the Spirit on these uncircumcised Gentiles. You know, just that's it, and that's the evidence that Peter brought to the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. He said, look, God, you know, chose me to go preach. I preached to Cornelius, and the Spirit came out, and they're uncircumcised. He had purified their hearts by faith. Now, how can you now require them to be circumcised who have received the gift of the Holy Spirit? God God accepted them through faith in Christ. Now he goes back to this issue with the Galatians. He said, what about you? You heard the gospel, you repented, you believed, and you received the gift of the Spirit. Is it because you were circumcised? Is it because you kept the law of Moses? No, but because you believed the message. That's why. And now, having begun with the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the flesh? 
that's not it. We, we finished the way we started. So, Bill, let me say this one thing about preaching. When I get up every Sunday to preach, I'm preaching to people who are not finished being saved yet. They may, I hope they have been justified, their sins are forgiven, but they're not done with their salvation journey yet, and they have to finish what they started. He who began a good work in them will carry it on to completion, but they have to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Both of those come from Philippians. But the same idea here, having begun by the Spirit, are you now going to finish your journey by the flesh? The same way you start is the way you finish. So every week I preach Christ crucified and resurrected. I'll preach other things. I'm an expositor. But I want to be certain that I portray Christ, his death and his resurrection clearly before them so that they can keep growing in their faith. So mm-hmm. that's it. He says the way, you, the way you started is the way you'll finish. Andy, is that um, the idea that you've, you've been saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved? Absolutely. All three okay. are true. All three are true. Yeah. And we're in that to make process sure. now. I understood that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what Paul's saying here in Galatians 3 is the same way you started is the way that you continue. Now, he would not say, Paul would not say that sanctification and justification are identical. They actually do have slightly different rules. Uh, our works have no place at all in justification, but they are essential to sanctification. That's what Paul meant by work out yourself. In Romans eight thirteen, he said, um, if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You have a role to play. Uh, you have a, a fundamental work to do day after day in growing in Christ. But you're going to do it the same basic way, which is trusting in Christ, faith in the death of Christ and his resurrection. That's how you're going to do it. So mm. that's, I think, what he means by having begun by the Spirit. Are you trying to be perfected by the flesh? And then after that, he goes into the basic teaching of justification by faith alone. And he talks about the the example of Abraham. Now, the whole thing with circumcision is they're trying to make them into Jews, um, the Gentiles. So you want to be a Jew, you've got to be circumcised. Okay, Paul picks up on that and says, you know, to be a son or daughter of Abraham, you just need to believe the promise the way Abraham did. How did Abraham get justified? How was he made right with God? Was it not by believing the promise? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And if you want to be his son or his daughter, you have to walk in the same faith that Abraham had. You have to hear the promise and believe. Now, we have a better promise than Abraham ever had. A much better promise. The author of Hebrews tells us it's founded on better promises. We have better promises, but it's the same basic mechanism. By hearing the promise of God and believing it, are we justified? That's how Abraham was justified, uh, not by works, but by believing, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Conversely, if you try to do it by law, you're under a curse, because the Bible says, cursed is everyone who does not continually do everything written in the book of the law. So you're under a curse if you don't do it all. And and so why would you want that? Why, why would you want the curse rather than the blessing? So come with Abraham and walk in the footsteps of the faith that he had, trusting in the promise. Don't go for the curse because the law just brings curse. Now, Jesus came and became a curse for us by dying on the tree. Cursed is everyone hung on a tree. He became a curse for us. Now, this was hideously off-putting for Mm. the Jews, saying, how could the son of David be accursed by God? They didn't understand substitutionary atonement, but they should have. Isaiah said, 
he was crushed for our transgressions. He was pierced for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It should have made sense. It's like, ah, that's the whole sacrificial system. That's how, how it works, but they didn't. And they said, he can't be the Messiah. He's dead on a cross. He's on a piece of wood. He's cursed. It's like, yeah, but he became a curse so that we wouldn't be cursed. Now, Paul's saying to the Galatians, why would you want to go back under the cursed life? Jesus rescued us from all that. Andy, I'm looking at chapter 3, verse 26. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. How would those words landed on those listeners? Well, I think all of us underestimate the richness of that. Bill, you and I as as Christians, we are adopted sons of God. Mm -hmm. Paul would use the language of heirs. We haven't come into our full inheritance. We get the Holy Spirit as a deposit from that inheritance, like a stipend check out of the hundred billion we're going to inherit when we come into our majority, when when we're not children anymore, when we receive our full inheritance, and that's heaven. So we get a foretaste through the Holy Spirit. We are heirs as sons and daughters of the living God, adopted into the family of God. We are heirs with God, co-heirs with Christ, and that's what we get. And and Paul in this book says, why would you want to be a slave under the law, toiling away under the law with no promise of anything? Uh, But instead, we are sons and daughters. Through faith in Christ, we have become sons of God, and he gives us the Spirit in our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. By that Spirit of adoption, we know that we are heirs. You know, in that same section, he also says, in Christ, there's neither male nor female. Uh, that's a very powerful statement. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we're all one in Christ Jesus. And um, it is so important for us to understand what that means and what it doesn't mean. Um, what it means is justification to all of those categories of people, Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free, all those categories are justified the same way. There's no advantage or disadvantage for any of them. Every single one of them are justified by faith in the promise, by faith in the gospel, and adopted into the family of God with equal status as heirs. It doesn't mean that there's no such thing as gender anymore, like our weird culture is just bizarrely confused on. So let's make sure we don't get Galatians 3.28 wrong and take it out of context. He's talking about justification through this book. And and to remind everyone that this heir that we have is a present possession. It's not something that is guaranteed to us off in the future. It's something we currently possess today. We do. We We are sons and daughters of God now, if we're Christians. And we have access um, into the throne room of grace. We have his spirit inside, crying out, Abba, Father. We have, it's the most surprising, J.I. Packer called it the most surprising aspect of the gospel blessings, is that we would be adopted. We could have been mm-hmm. forgiven and, and just put off to the side in heaven as servants of God, and that would have been fine. The angels aren't adopted like we are, but we have been adopted through faith in Christ. And that's just surprising and amazing. So it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful picture. I love it. Dr. Andy Davis is my guest. We're going to continue our study on Galatians after a very short break and go to twojourneys.org to learn more about Andy. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. 
We're talking about Galatians today with Dr. Andy Davis, and you can learn more about him at twojourneys.org, twojourneys.org. Rosie and I uh, were talking during the break about how excited we are. We love expository preaching, and I, Rosie and I both said to each other, hey, we both signed up for this without even talking about it. We went online and signed up for the uh, Galatians summer study. I can do two things at once, Andy. I can host a show and sign up for your summer Bible study and chew gum, although I did have to take the gum out during the break. But You're I was a marvelously able to do it all. talented man, Bill. Marvelous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So let's uh let's talk about chapter four now, if we may, okay. and yep. Paul's concern for the Galatians. Um yeah. Well, his heart is wrapped up with them. He loves them. Uh, I tell you that one of the most profound scenes you'll ever find is in Acts twenty where the Ephesian elders come and Paul gives them his farewell address and they, they accompany uh, him to the ship and they're all, they kneel down and pray and they're all weeping uh, because he said there, you'll never see me again in this world. And they, they deeply wow. loved Paul and Paul deeply loved them. And so here's a man that told the truth boldly, powerfully preached and, and dealt with sin and, and addressed it. But the people he worked with dearly loved him and he loved them. And so here in Galatians 4, you see that there's an, an intense love that he has for them, uh, his uh, deep concern for them. Uh, he's pleading with them, begging uh, with them to get out of this false gospel and come back again to the grace of the gospel that they first heard. He said, look, when I first came there, you were willing to to suffer for, uh, for me, to care for me. I, was, I came because of an illness. You were willing to, to, to meet my needs. What has happened to that love? What happened to all your joy? which is a very important statement. Actually, legalism does not bring joy. It brings misery, and it brings bickering and, and fighting. Um, and, and he says, if you don't watch out, you're going to devour each other like dogs. That's what legalistic groups do. The Pharisees were not friends with each other. They're in competition with each other, and they were angry at each other. But he says, look, do you remember how it used to be in the sweetness of our fellowship? What happened to all your joy? And then he said, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? What a powerful statement. I, how can wow, I be your enemy ever. by telling you the truth? So that's what a pastor has to do. The pastor has to say, look, I can't be your enemy by telling you the truth. Please hear me, and I'm pleading with you to live a certain kind of life. And so that's what he's doing. There's a, there's a very powerful intimacy in a relationship between them in verses 12 through 20. Yeah, actually, before that, in chapter 4, we skipped ahead of it. You know, he just talks about the finality and the truth of the gospel. In the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. That's just the facts of the gospel. And so foundationally to everything, Bill, you and I are talking about is the truth, the history of Jesus, how at the right time he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. It's historically true. And not only that, this is probably one of the most amazing insights you could ever have on this whole topic. Jesus lived under the law. He was born under the law, lived under the law, died under the law. And he did it perfectly all of the minutia of the law. Wow. He kept everything. He kept the, the weighty matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He kept the minutia of the law, tithing spices, whatever. He kept all of it. And then he offers that perfect obedience to the law to us as a gift by faith. He said, here, put this robe of perfect righteousness on. You're going to need it on judgment day. Without it, you don't get to heaven. I'll give it to you as a gift, imputed righteousness, the obedience of Jesus. Therefore, positionally, God sees you and me, Bill. He sees us as obedient as his son. 
as, wow. as if we have kept the law at the same level as Jesus. That's the gift of imputed righteousness, and that's powerful. How is that ever? Um, Andy, in uh, chapter 4 of Galatians, in mm-hmm. verse 14, even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as wow. if I were Christ Jesus himself. It's a pretty bold wow. statement. It's powerful. It really is. and shows that intimacy and that freedom that they had and the joy. But then in come the Judaizers, and they, they were, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. They came and stole their joy and their freedom and their assurance. And that's the tragedy. That's what he's writing about. Made them slaves, basically. He brought them under, they brought them under slavery. Yeah. Um, say more about that. Well, there's a bondage. You know, when you're under legalism, you're never going to do enough. Martin Luther was, right. he was relentlessly flogging himself with, with acts of monkery, he called it. You know, he's in the, huh. he's in the confessional booth just multiple times a day. Um, he just could never be free from a guilty conscience. And so that's, a, that's slavery. And so, you know, the second half of Galatians, a very complex um, allegory that he gives to the slave woman and the free. And, and it's, it's hard to go through all that. But just simply put, there's just two ways to live when it comes to this topic. You can live under bondage, the natural life, trying to do it yourself like everyone does. Or you can be a supernaturally born child of God, the miracle baby, which is Isaac, born of the barren woman, 90-year-old woman, Sarah, uh, that's a picture of being born again by the Spirit. Which of those two do you want? That's basically the power of the allegory, allegory that he gives there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. So when we do a, a, a view of Galatians like we've done today, mm-hmm. um, what would you say, Andy, would be the two or three of the strongest takeaways we could take home yeah. when we get out of the car, walk into the dining room table and say, this is what I learned on the way home. Okay, so justification by faith alone, our sins are forgiven by trusting in Jesus, not by works. We all tend to run to works when we feel guilty. As soon as we do something wrong, violate our conscience, do something, we want to go do some good work to make up for it. Don't do that. Run to the cross, trust in Jesus again uh, for the full forgiveness of your sins, justification by faith in Christ. That's everything. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. And then secondly, Having received the gift of the Spirit, let us live by the Spirit. Let's follow the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5, let's be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. Let's live the new life. Go over the the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Pray those qualities into yourself. Say, oh, God, characterize me by these characteristics, by these beautiful fruits. Uh, of the Spirit. That's who I want to be. And then negatively, put to death all the deeds of the flesh, all the corruption and sexual immorality and the impurity and the wickedness. That's in there too. Put that flesh to death. Uh, Help me to fight this battle. Uh, Expect a battle. It's not going to be easy, but by keeping in in step with the Spirit, we can grow in godliness. Those are the takeaways. So it's basically two parts. How our sins are forgiven and we're made right with God, justification, and then the life of the Spirit that we live from then on, sanctification. That's the takeaway in Galatians. Mm-hmm. And talk about freedom in Christ. I mean, Paul is so interested in letting the listeners yeah. know that there is freedom and you can be set free. And I think those are yeah. words everyone wants to hear. Absolutely. But it's a different kind of freedom than the world tells us. We, especially post-60s, sexual freedom, do whatever, be whatever you want, do it. You know, that's not biblical freedom. 
Freedom is the power to be and to do what God wants you to be and do. That's what it is. Like the psalmist said in Psalm 119, I run in the path of your commands for you've set my heart free. So Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you'll be truly free. But everyone who sins is a slave to, to sin. And so the freedom is the ability to, to soar in the, in the paths where God wants you to soar, to run in the path where God wants you to run, to be what God needs you to be. That's freedom. And so Paul says in Galatians, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So don't go back into bondage again. Yeah, I love that he ends the letter with, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah. let's get along. And, and it's a foretaste of the kind of heavenly unity we're going to have, how beautiful that's going to be. Yeah. Andy, thank you for doing this today. I, I so appreciate oh, this teaching, and Always. it's just, you're such an absolute delight. And uh, I hope you have a, a good rest of the evening, and thanks uh, for being with me today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it a lot, Bill. You bet. Thanks. Dr. Andy Davis has been my guest. If you can go over to uh, twojourneys.org, you can uh, learn more about Andy. And you can also uh, consider signing up for this uh, study on Galatians throughout the summer. So that is at twojourneys.org. Again, I want to thank uh, Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. and Patrick for uh, the show today. I hope you've had a good uh, day, and thank you for spending time with me Tonight, if you missed any of the show, you can check it out at the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great night, everyone. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.